Good afternoon, everybody. I want to greet you and thank you for coming in to another service at Church of God Sabbath Keeping Ministries. I want to first start by greeting our head pastor, Pastor Duff, and his wife, Pastor Brown, and his wife, Stimulita. Ministers, saints, children, friends, my first ministry at home, my wife and daughter, Nyla. I want to greet you all in the holy and unmatched name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today I'm not going to say that I'm excited to give this word, not only because it's cliche, but it's actually true. The base of this word was sparked by a conversation that I was having in one of our small groups. And the word that was constantly coming up was the word confrontation. The word was confrontation. And it's challenging because today this is an ongoing battle for me, the word itself. So right now, I'm, I'm even as I'm, I'm preaching the word, I, I'm trying to sort it out in my mind because I haven't got the full grasp. So I know that a lot of times people expect to see, receive a word where it's, it feels like they're teaching, but this is us going to be learning and challenging this issue together. Today, I want you to do me a favor, and it's going to be a, a, a big favor that I'm going to request of you. I grew up in a church that, you know, when the preacher was preaching, you know, preacher was giving a word, and some, some of the word may be in a tone of rebuke. You know, people would be cheering and, glory to God, and shouting. But the, the, the tone of the message was to rebuke. So I found it weird from a young age if, if the, te- the speaker and preacher was talking to all of us about issues that we need to change in our lives, and everybody was celebrating, there was an issue there because somewhere deep down, a lot of people didn't believe that they were hearing the word for themselves. Deep down, they were celebrating because it was a word about somebody else. It's not often when you're being rebuked or, or you're... you're being talked to about the error of your ways, you're celebrating and shouting. So I want you to do this favor for me today, and you can put this in the chat. You can say this to your neighbor, husband, say this to your wives, wives to your husbands, brothers to your sisters, anybody who you're sitting with. This is what I want you to do, and you can write in the chat as well. We're going to have service online and communicate as we usually do when we're in the house, and we're going to say this, neighbor, Today, I am not hearing this word for you or somebody else, but I'm hearing this word for me. Confronting me. Confronting me. Let's get straight into the text right now. It's going to be taken from 2 Samuel 12, verse 1 to 13. 2 Samuel 12, from verse 1 to 13. And we're going to read right through. It said, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And the traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock 
and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, this man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, and we're going to end it after here, you are the man. Thus says the Lord of God, Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you in the hand of Saul. We're not going to go to 13. We're just going to leave it there. Could you bow your heads in prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Lord God, as we are about to go into this word, there are, very, there are a lot of challenges that come with speaking this word, knowing that it's ongoing within myself. But I beg and ask you, Lord, allow me to speak in a way and in a manner that the person who this word is for, it may be received. I beg and ask you that the, any distractions that are holding back a person from receiving it may be removed. I beg and ask you that even if the word is just for me, that I receive it in its entirety. We thank you for this day and we thank you for those that have come along and listened to the service. And we beg and ask you that they may be blessed as we say thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Confrontation. Confrontation. You know, the word confrontation has long-standing had this negative connotation to it. It has this negative tone to it. Confrontation. Confrontation, even in the English dictionary, has, you know, even a, a negative description to it. But me just thinking about the word, and the reason why I thought so much about it is because when we were having the, the, the conversation in our small groups, there were two situations, there were two things that were happening. One, that people had situations that, that need to be confronted. And two, that they were too afraid to confront the issue themselves. So you have an external force and an internal force, both that required confrontation, but something deep down inside of us wouldn't allow us to confront it. So why is that important? The word confrontation, when we go back to the etymology and the root of it, it comes from the Latin medieval term, term confrontier, and the, the, also the French word confronteur. And those two words mean to bound or to border. Hear me now, to bound or to border. And as I looked deeper into the word and, and the meaning, I found something that, that, that was so powerful even about the word confront. In the English term, it means to uh, aggressively, you know, assert yourself or aggressively come face to face with another person. And the root and the etymology of the word means to border or bound. There are researchers that essentially said that the word means to assign limits. Assign limits. That's how the French used it, to, to assign limits. That the things that, they, that, that were coming against that they needed to make a border or bound it, to assign it limits. So that's the base of what this word is today. I believe that there's somebody that is out there right now that is having issues and problems and situations in their life that they need to assign limits. Your issues and your, 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 your sin nature need to be assigned limits. You see... When we have something that we're, we're struggling with or, or, or that's going on, we allow it to fester and, and run free. 
full fear of what's going on outside, but never really wanting to tackle what's going on inside. You know, where we have this, this energy to, to want to confront people on the outside of us, but we never want to confront the things that are inside of us. We never want to, to have the same energy to confront the things inwardly, but exhaust so much energy confronting the things outwardly. We're going to go to the text. We're going to go to the text, and it's going to be through our first point. But we're going to go to Genesis 3 and read from verse 6 to 12. Verses 6 to 12. Genesis 3 from verses 6 to 12. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I command you they should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. We're going to hold there. I want to keep that verse up. I'm going to read this again. Adam ate of the fruit, even though he was convinced of it or his wife uh, suggested it to him. And he said to God, a God that he had had a relationship, a God that he walks through with the garden. We know about, about Adam's relationship with God. He said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave of the tree and I ate. I want you to write this in the chat and this is going to be the first point for us. And those who, are, who, are, who, who have had the opportunity and I don't want anybody to take this bad, but I've had the opportunity to break up somebody or person who've been broken up with. They're going to be very familiar with this term. And I want you to say this to your neighbor, and I want you to say this to yourself. It's not you. It's me. See, as we're reading this text, I was, I was, I was really kind of shocked to, really, to, 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 to be revealed to me the way that it is that we all have this Adam syndrome nature, and I'm going to call it Adam syndrome. You can call me Dr. Kelton because I'm bringing something new to you today. This Adam syndrome nature that we have this profound belief that every single problem or situation that we have is the fault of somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's problem. The reason why I'm here right now, the reason why this happened is somebody else's fault. This, this in particular hits home to me because of my own particular issues. You know, even, even growing up when I was young, I had, I had problems with anger. And I would always blame somebody else. They did this, so I did this. You know, we may have different situations, but every single time that we have a situation, it's always somebody else's fault. I need somebody to recognize and understand today that it's not them. It's you. I want us to go to James 1, verse 14 to 15. And this is where we're going we're gonna, 
learn to identify ourselves. James 1, verse 14 and 15. But it says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Sorry. Then when he is, then when he is, go back. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, brings forth death. There's a key in there. There's a key in there. We're going to go back to verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own desires. Why is that important? It's important because these things that you are trying to blame on other people are coming from you. Deep down somewhere there is anger inside of me that I need to confront, but I won't. So I, 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 I use the Adam syndrome and I go and attack or, or place blame on others. Knowing full and well that I have an issue or a problem lurking in the background that I'm not willing to face. See, it's so much easier to blame somebody else. Adam found the, the easy route out. It's so much easier for me to blame Eve. God, you, you know what? Uh, to be honest with you, it wasn't actually my fault. I know that you've told me. I know that we've had a conversation. I know that I've been forbidden to eat of this fruit. But it's actually the woman that you gave me. It's her fault. So in essence, God, it's actually your fault. We found so many scapegoats onto why the issue isn't ours. Today, this word is about confronting me. You've got to learn to confront yourself. You've looked for years and years and tried to find so many different reasons as to why the problems and the issues are somebody else's. When are you going to look at yourself? When are you going to confront yourself? Adam took the easy route out. But James shows us that the only reason why that they, the, the only reason why you can be enticed or tempted to anger, tempted to rage, tempted to jealousy, tempted to so many different things is because somewhere deep down it was in you in the first place. I want you to tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's not you, it's me. We exhaust so much energy to confront other people, confront our coworkers, confront our children, confront our family members. Never once confronting the issue that has been lingering and festering inside of us. We go around in, into different areas and different environments and, and we find ourselves constantly getting annoyed or angry, getting jealous. And always saying, man, man, I have a problem with people because people keep doing this. We, go, we, we may go from church to church and be like, man, people are so sinful. The nature of people is so sinful. When are you going to look inward and understand that it's time for you to confront you? Man, pa Pastor Duff had, had, had compiled a few weeks of a word of, of how we build our, our church and how we better our church and how we build I think one of the most integral things that we are going to have to do, even as we're in this pandemic before we get back, is we're going to have to be able to confront ourselves, confront our anger, confront our jealousy, confront our doubt. All those things, they're not exempt. They all need to be confronted. 
Some people may feel that, you know, uh, Brother Kelton, I don't have rage issues, but you have doubt there. Some people may, may have doubt that they need to confront and are not willing to confront it because they're afraid. So it's easier to just blame the church. It's easier to blame God because he didn't reveal things to you or he didn't show you or he didn't place it how you could receive it. There are people that are holding back from establishing better relationships with God and saying, you know what, the church put me away. You know what, God didn't reveal himself or, or you know what, it's not my time. God, God does things in, in a certain time and when he's ready for me. That's, that's not outside, it's inside, it's you. You need to check yourself. You need to confront those things that are inside of you that are stopping you from getting to your next. People want purpose. You cannot get to purpose without first confronting yourself. The church will grow. Your family will grow. You will grow. The, further, the, the, the sooner you learn to recognize the internal instead of the external, is the sooner that you're able to get the strength to confront the issues and clear them out. We're going to go right back into the text again. I want to bring up 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. We're not going to go into it, but we're going to bring it up again. The reason why I brought this one up is because it's one of the, uh, the most, you know, known kind of verses of where confrontation happened. We know the story. Nathan came to David, and David had sinned he, he, by sleeping with Bathsheba. I actually found a joke that as I was reading this, um, those who don't know the story that David was essentially on, uh, in his castle. It doesn't say where he was, but he was up somewhere high. And he looked down low and he saw a woman uh, cleaning herself or bathing herself. And if you actually look at the word, the name, the name is actually Bathsheba, which is a, a joke for some. I, I, I didn't recognize it at first, but he, was, he saw her bathing and her name is actually Bathsheba. Let's get continuing the text. So David had saw, saw her from up top and he asked his servants, he's like, who is that woman down there? Seeing the woman, he, he was obviously enticed by her appeal. She, it, it seemed as though she was a beautiful woman and he was enticed by her and he told his servants to bring that woman to him. We go, we, the, the story goes on and, and we find out that David had slept with Bathsheba. We, we also go into the next 12, text into chapter 12 where Nathan confronts him and provides to him a story, a parable where it's talking about essentially a man that has stolen from another man when he has so much. In, in, in true us fashion, I'm going to say us. What did David do? He acknowledged it. He, even though he knew that he was operating in sin, he acknowledged somebody else's issue by saying that this is, their, this is their fault. And when I find out who they are, they're going to suffer for their sin. Right? Imagine that. Somebody's telling you about yourself. Right? And a lot of people in the Caribbean culture understand that, telling you about yourself. And you're, you're, you're so shocked and appalled about somebody else's nature, not seeing your own, that he condemned his self to death. He said he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna repay fourfold. He's going to repay fourfold. Why is that important? Why is that important to confronting ourselves? One, we have the number one example. We fail 
so many times to see ourselves. You can see the error in somebody else's ways. You can see the error in everything else. But never having the, the, the understanding or, or, or the self-awareness to confront you, to see you. It's crazy that, that we're reading it and it's going on and, and, and David can't even see his own ways. But we all fall short in that manner. We all fall short in where we're, we're, we're watching something happen and we're living it. And even when we're brought it by somebody else or even when we're seeing it, we never actually take the time to self-examine. Never take the time to self-examine. I want, I want us to, 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 to write this down, and this is going to be our next point in which to, to put the rest of it under. And those who, 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 who are young, or, or maybe it's just a youthful matter of, of me, but I want you to, to put this under it, and I want you to say, I will not play tag with sin. Say that to your neighbor writing in the chat. I will not play tag with sin. I'm going to explain myself. A lot of times, just like David did, and this is why it's so important for us to confront our issues. A lot of times, like David did, we fall into situations, whether it be anger, whether it be jealousy, whether it be pornography, whatever it is. Whatever your issue is, you know yourself, this word is for everybody and every man must examine himself when listening to this word. But every single time that we we have an issue or situation that we know needs to be confronted, we kind of play around with it. Anybody who's played tag, there's, there's groups of people that play tag. Me, while I was playing tag, tag is, for those who don't know, is a chasing game. One person is, is designated as it, and they chase everybody else. So there's, there's, there's numerous people that, that, are, that are in there playing tag. So we have the people who get close enough to the person that, that they're playing tag with, that they kind of just run. The hands are running and they're just kind of, you know, stepping away farther enough so the person can't touch them, but close enough that it's dangerous and that, you know, they always believe that they're fast enough. There are those of us who kind of stand in the distance and watch the person who is it. And, and, and as we watch them, we, as soon as they come closer, we start running in the opposite, opposite direction. There are those of us who just hide, hoping that the person who is it don't find us. And then there's the person that we want to be, and, and that's the ones who kind of, you know, sometimes we call them the, 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 the sour sport, but they choose not to play at all. They think the game is trivial, chasing each other around. Why does it relate to what we're talking about? I want us to, to refer 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, if we could bring that up. It says this, no temptation. And, and, and when we speak about temptation, you can be tempted in so, other, so many ways. It just means that you're, 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 you've been enticed to kind of do something. Whether it be to doubt, whether it be to anger, whether it be to jealousy, you're led in some way, shape, or form to do something. Right? It said, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. That means everybody deals with it. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Listen to this. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make way of escape. God will give you a way 
out. Let's go back to 2 Samuel 11, verse 3. 2 Samuel 11, verse 3. This is very important. 2 Samuel 11, verse 3. It says, So David sent and inquired, mind you that David had saw this, seen this woman bathing, was enticed by her, and he said this, So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Remember that 1 Corinthians said that God will find a way of escape. Full period here. I want you to see this. The way of escape is right there, the text. And I'm going to show you this. I'm showing you this because just like David, we can't see it in ourselves, so somebody has to show us through another series. So I'm using David's example. Someone said to him, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah. Here, David is the way of escape. Somebody had informed you that, yes, this is somebody's wife. Do not touch. The way of escape. But oftentimes, we don't see it because we're so enticed about what we're, what we're getting into. We, th- we think that, you know what, and, and David gets in that. If you, if you read through chapter 11, David goes from one thing to another. Even to the point where he, he gets as far as, as, as putting Uriah out on the battlefield to get killed because he's trying to cover up his tracks. He's that person that's getting so close to the sin and kind of running away from it, hoping that it won't catch him. Some of us are saying, you know, Kelton, I don't get that close. But the problem is that you're still playing the game anyways. Somewhere you are playing the game. There are some people who may be struggling, and I'm going to put this just so it, because it's easier. Some people are struggling with pornography. So what do you do? You say, you know what, God, I'm praying for strength. God, give me strength. I need strength for this. So God, hear me, and I'm going to, I'm going to put this together. You pray, God, I need strength. I need so much strength. I need power. So he gives you the strength. And as he gives you the strength, you're like, yeah, man, I, I'm so good at this. Thank you, God. Next thing you know, a situation comes that, that we should dodge, but instead, we try to use the strength that God gives us to try to play around the situations that tempt us. I want to reveal something to somebody today, and I know this, this is something that we know. God is not the author of confusion. And I want to tell you that your actions are very confusing. That's why we have to confront the problems that we're facing. You want God to give you strength with your issues. You want God to give you strength so you can battle, but you want it so that you can dabble in the areas that you're weak. God is not with that. That's not something that that God, he didn't provide you strength so you can play with your temptations. He didn't provide it to you so that you can just You know, go in and out and kind of play and see how close you can get. That's not how it works. It's confusing. And somewhere along the line, you're going to fall. And you see, David, he fell. He fell hard because he he didn't know know better enough to not play the game. See, what David should have done was confront the issue head on and say, you know what, I'm not playing in that. I'm not there. I'm not going to be enticed by that. But no, 
There was conversation that he had to, to have with himself where he was enticed, enticed to fall into sin. You know, some of us may even listen to his word and think that doesn't apply to us. This doesn't apply to me because, Kelton, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dealing or struggling with lust. But some of you may be dealing with fear. Fear allows you to not move at all. Fear allows you to not move at all. Doubt allows you to lack faith that you need in God. All those things are part of the game that you're playing. And I want to I drop this to somebody. We're going to read James 4 verse 17 and then I'm going to put it together so we can see it. James 4 verse 17. James 4 verse 17. And it says this, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. I want you to drop now Luke 6 verse 4 to 6, 46, sorry. Luke 6 verse 46, bring that up. And we're going to wrap these two together. I'm going to show you why the problems that you have and the issues, even though they might not, may not feel like issues, need to be confronted. It says in Luke 6 or 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? There's somebody that is at home right now, and God has put ministry into you, and he's saying to you that, why don't you do what I'm saying? He's like, you call me Lord, you praise me, you do all this, but you're allowing fear to hold you back from the things that I've called you to do. So right then and there, it's actually a sin to you. Because God has called you to do a work, but because you won't confront the fear that you have, you can't operate in the things that God's called you to do. Your fear needs to be confronted. Your doubt needs to be confronted. There are people that need to go and operate in certain areas, but they won't because they doubt it. God's like, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and I've instructed you to do anything and something and you won't follow it anyways? You're playing. You're the one that's, that's hiding in the bush. Yes, you can see the thing that, that you need to confront, but you're just hiding in the bush waiting for it to come catch up to you. And the problem that the problem that we, that we usually have when we play tag, when you actually enter into the game anyways, is you, you run and you run and you run until you become the thing that you're running from. We know how, we know how tag goes. Tag, you're it. You've been running from your fear so long that you become your fear as soon as you get exhausted. You get exhausted. You, you're playing tag with your doubt. Your doubt catches up to you. You become doubtful. You live doubtful. Something that you should have confronted, you start becoming. You live doubtful because you played the game of tag instead of being the person that stood up to it. And we know those people that sometimes when we we're kids, you know, they're, they're playing the game of tag. And instead of playing and running around, they say, I'm not playing. I'm not, I'm not in this game anymore. God is speaking to somebody today and telling them, that this sin nature that they've been avoiding, they've been avoiding too long. You need to address it before it catches up to you. See, I think we don't, we don't really even understand uh, the nature of Satan, that the way that he operates, it's, it, 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 it's really, when you really take in the, the sentence, when, when the word says that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
Something I learned about the lion's roar, the way that the lion's roar sounds, it, ac it actually echoes in a way that it makes you believe that it's coming from an, uh, another direction. So you think it's so far off that it's not close to you when it's actually creeping up on your doorstep. Somebody needs to confront their issue today. And I don't know what your issue is. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your sin nature is. But God is telling somebody today that it must be confronted. That you can no longer blame the external sources, but you must check yourself internally. I will not play tag with sin. Somebody needs to declare that to themselves today. The next one that we're going to go into, the next thing that I want to talk about, and I'm going to quote the late, forgive me for the people who are, are super churchy, I'm going to quote the late great psalmist Michael Jackson by saying, I am starting with the man in the mirror. Say that to your neighbor, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Yes, we know Michael Jackson is not a psalmist, but I think that he was on to something when he said that I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Let's go to the text. The text is Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. And the reason I'm bringing this there is that sometimes we need to have a living example on how to operate. See, I've told you that it's you. If you've been open enough today to, to, to accept that, you know, that this problem is me. I've got to work on me. And if you, you, you've got the, the understanding that, you know what, I play around too much. I know where I'm weak, man. Uh, I'm, I'm weak with drugs. I probably shouldn't hang around drugs. I shouldn't ask God for strength and go dabble in the areas that I know that would, that would bring me to be weak. But God is so good and gracious enough that he's going to provide the perfect example. I want to show you something. And we're going to go through this text and we're just going to talk this out. We're going to reason it together. Because like I said, I need this word just as much as you do. But I'm going to show you the example. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Say that to your neighbor. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to hold here. Don't go on to the next one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Even reading this, I know that there are some confusion for others. Some confusion to everybody that why, why is, is God being led to be tempted? I want, I want people to understand this, that this happened even before Jesus started any form of public ministry. This happened before Jesus did any form of public ministry. See, God is so amazing and self-aware that he's like, before I even get to anywhere else, I've got to check myself. See, God understood that I need to first confront the things before I go outwardly. Right? It said Jesus was led by the Spirit. God allowed himself because he knew that he had issues that need to be faced. He allowed himself to be led into the desert, the wilderness, to be tempted. Because he knew that the issues that he had were ongoing and he needed to confront them before he went on to do the thing that he was called to do. Let's go through it. Let's read through it. Verse 2 now. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. God, God was hungry. He had fasted. Hear this now. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, uh, and you know what? 
you have to give it to Satan sometimes because the way that he, he speaks, he tries to even, you know, make us do things that we, we don't want to do. Look at this. He's, he's saying to God, and he knows who he is. He says, and if you are the son of God, if you're him, you can actually do these things. But if you're not, you're not going to. Most of us, you know, our pride nature will actually have us falling into it. Like, I am the son of God. You, you don't think that I can get this done? I can do this. I'm the son of God. And we fall into the trap. He's so slick with his words that he finds a way to allowing us to fall into it and him just being the kind of person to suggest it. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Mind you that God was hungry. Some of us can't even, can't not eat for two hours and we're dying for something to eat. God was hungry, so the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Next verse. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Full stop. I want you to see this. We're going to go back to there. Go back to verse 4, please. The way that God communicates to the devil is not the way that we do it. It's not the way that Adam and Eve did it. It's not the way that David did it. It's the way that you're supposed to do it. He doesn't try to get into to this suggestion thing with the devil. The devil tries to suggest things to us so to kind of plant a seed of, you know, this is not actually me. I'm just suggesting something to you. And if you're interested, pursue it. But what Jesus does, he declares to Satan... This is what it is. Some of us need to stop getting into suggestion conversations with Satan and get into a declaration against him. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, period. I'm not going to get into a conversation about the issues that I need to confront with you. I know that you think it's good for me, Satan. I know that you want me to fall in it. I'm not going to get into that, that suggestion battle with you. I'm going to declare it against you. I'm going to declare my situation. I know what the problem is, and I'm not going to allow myself to fall into it. Somebody at home, somebody is out there that needs to understand that you need to stop suggesting things with Satan, getting in this conversation with him back and forth. You see, he did that to Eve. He suggest, he, Eve was in a conversation with, with, with the serpent, and they were getting a conversation. was like, did God tell you that? It looks good to eat, oh, but God told us not to eat. Did he tell you that? Why did he tell you that? Get into this conversation about, are you sure that's what you want to do? Are you sure that's the situation you're in? Is that, are you sure that's what you want to do? And then somewhere along the line, the suggestions to you become a decision. Because you don't declare something to the devil, you start accepting the suggestions. And those things, those seeds that he plants become trees. Those trees become fruit. We're going to go back to, we're going to go to verse 5 now. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on the pin pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Again, God doesn't get into this conversation uh, 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 with the devil. Watch what he does in verse 7. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord God. A 
lot of us get into a conversation with ourselves in the areas that, that we're lustful for or, or we're led in temptation. And the devil kind of lures us into making a decision. A suggestion becomes our decision. God is calling somebody to declare against those suggestions. You know, there's, there's times when you, you, you feel doubtful. God is calling you to declare against it. God is calling you to declare against your fear. God is calling you to declare against your anger. But a lot of us won't do it because it's so easy to fall into the suggestion. I'm going to continue on. God said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord their God. And again, the devil took him up on a seemingly high mountain. Mind you that these are all things that God is saying that I'm struggling with. And he was, he was open to us because we know that God, God wanted more than anything for people to believe because through faith we will be saved. So he wanted us to believe. Imagine if he, he actually jumped off. People would have seen him and say, wow, he'd get taken up. This, this, this must be the Son of God. This must be the Messiah. And again, the devil took him up on exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. Verse 9 now. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Mind you that God knows his place. He knows who he is. But he said, and he said to him, if you will fall down and worship me. Imagine the audacity of the devil to believe that Jesus or suggest to Jesus that he should bow before him. I want to show you something. That the devil is so, I'm going to use the word rude. Or, or he's so out of order that he believes, you know, he, like, he has no borders to his suggestions. He has no limits or borders. That's why it's so important that we confront the things. Remind you, remember that I said that the root of the word confront is to assign limits. That you need to assign limits. Jesus did this so well that he assigned a limit to Satan where he's saying, whatever you're saying, yeah, that sounds good, but I'm going to assign you a limit. That these suggestions that you're giving me right now are stopping here. The suggestions that the devil provides to you need to stop where they are. For too many years, what you have done is allowed the suggestions to become decisions. And they don't have borders. The devil doesn't have a border where he's like, oh, this is too far. I'm going too far. No, he's going to suggest anything as long as it will keep you from getting close to God. He will suggest any and everything. So what we need to do now is to confront the issues before it becomes bigger than it, than it is, bigger than we can handle, and bigger than we can manage. And the devil starts to just pull fruit from the, the seed that he suggested and tried to plant. We're going to continue on. He said to him, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Go to verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. My God is, God is so intentional even about showing this example of what was happening. He's showing you this is how you should be operating when the devil tries to suggest things from you. This is how you need to operate. This is how you need to go about things. Because the thing is this. A lot of us have our problems, our situations, kind of lurking in the background. 
right? It's lurking in the background. It's there watching us and waiting. And we could be standing here doing what we're doing, operating where we're operating, think we're doing good, entering into marriage, having pornography lurking in the background, and we've never faced it, thinking that we can play tag with issues. Sometimes we're the one that stays close and runs. Sometimes we're the one that looks from a distance. Sometimes we're the one that hides from afar. But yet and still, we, don't, we choose not to confront it. We allow it to lurk in the background. Watch us until the point where it comes and just touches us. And the thing that we're running from, we start to live in it. We start to live it. Just like tag, you become it. You become your doubt. You become your fear. You become your anger. You start to live angrily. But a lot of times we start to, we try to blame others, right? We try to play this little game. But God showed us the example that you need to address your issues. And the reason why I, I, I use it and I believe that God revealed this is because before he started his public ministry, he addressed these internal issues, I want to declare to somebody today that the conversations with our sin nature need to stop today. The suggestions with the devil, thinking that you're so powerful that he cannot tempt you, that he cannot bring something that, that, that will bring you down. We exert so much energy, so much time on, on confronting people. You know, we, we have this, this thing about us that if somebody ever talks to us, we're, we're going to put them in their place and, you know, I dare you to talk to us. We have that nature in us. Some of us don't. Some of us just have the, 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 the nature of doubt. What has God called you to? Has he called you to a prayer ministry to be powerful in prayer? Has he called you to even pray for somebody? But because you're so afraid and you've never confronted their fear, that person never gets prayed for. I believe that the Lord is saying the same thing that he was saying in Luke 6, verse 46. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? The problem is we don't think that we need to confront our fears. We don't think that we need to confront our anger. We, don't need to, we think we don't need to confront our porn addiction. We don't think we need to confront our doubt. We think that if we run long enough, we will be able to outrun it. We think that, you know, just like the end of the year, the New Year's, we're able to just drop it off. Some things we can't just drop off. Some things, just like the root of the word confront, confrontare, we need to aggressively assign limits. There's a sin nature that is inside of us that needs to be assigned a limit. You need to border or to bound it up. Because those things are going to stop you from getting to where God has called you to go. I'm coming down. I'm coming down. Today I believe that this word is, is, is truly for myself. I'm praying today that somebody doesn't hear this word and believes that it's for their neighbor. The church will go a lot farther when we first check ourselves and confront the issues that we have internally before we start picking on everybody. Like I said, I grew up in a church that when the sermon was preached and it sounded like it was in a form of rebuke and, and the preacher was talking about people, we have crowds and crowds of people cheering and talking about, come on, preacher, preach. But if all of us are cheering about the rebuke of somebody else, who is checking themselves internally? Who is confronting themselves? Who is hearing the word so that they can make a change in their lives? 
The pandemic has, has given us an opportunity to confront our sin nature, to confront our pride, to confront the things that would de- to, to get in the way of our purpose. And I believe even though that this word is generally pointed to me, that God is as speaking this word to me, I believe that he's calling the church to confront the situations that they're dealing with. To confront their issues head on. I know that there's a fear about it. But when you follow the example of Jesus and stop allowing the Satan to suggest stuff and just start declaring things, you won't have to worry about, uh, about oh, what's, what's, what's going to be the repercussions of if I confront this issue. God has set it up in such a way that if you confront it, he will give you strength to face it head on. But what you need to do is address it. That may even be a health issue. Some people are avoiding health issues because they're afraid of what's going to happen. God is saying to you today, you need to confront it. And that confrontation may be even just a start to go to the doctor and check yourself there. There may be some who entered into a marriage and still have a porn addiction. You need to confront that issue now. It's not... You're not going to be able to outrun it. It's not something you can run from. God is calling some to, to, to dive deeper, and he's called you to greater ministries. But because of doubt or fear or what people are going to think or what people are going to say, instead of confronting those things, we're like the people that hide when you play tag. You just wait until it catches up to you. God is saying to you today, that the same energy that you use to confront the people that are rude to you, to confront your family members, to, con- to confront every single thing that's on the outside, I want you to use that same energy to check yourself internally. Confront yourself internally. Today, God is calling you to confront me, confront myself, confront myself. I want to pray with you today quickly because I believe that this is an issue that all of us struggle with. All of us that are are here, all of us that are walking are struggling with the sin nature. We're struggling with it. But like he said in, in, in Corinthians, God is giving us a way of escape. Yes, I know that, there, that, that these things have been planted in us, and, and sometimes the devil suggests that, and, and it pr- produces a seed. But what he's asking for us to do right now, today, is to confront it. Tackle it head on. Question it. Maybe there's doubts about the word that you have. Question it. Ask questions. You want to know God. You have doubts about if he's real. God has nothing to hide. You may need to go. Your confrontation may be to do your own research about the word of God and stop just listening to these internet preachers. I know at the the, the end of 2019, some internet preachers were declaring things over people's lives telling them they're going to be rich beyond measure in 2020. Then a pandemic came and they lost their job and now they doubt God. You need to confront that doubt because God, sometimes people start to say things that were never from God, but because we believe the platform that they have, God has put something through them. You may need to confront that today. Do your own research. Confrontation comes in different forms, but what God is calling us to do today is to confront. So right now, I want everybody who is at home, everybody that is listening online, I want you to do this thing with me today. And again, we're, we're, we're saying to ourselves, God, 
I'm not hearing this word for somebody else. Today, God, this word is for me. So even if it's, if it's somebody needing to pray for you or pray with you, if you just need to pray for yourself, I'm, I'm going to suggest that you pray by yourself and just close your eyes today. We're going to do a group united prayer, and I think there's power in that because if we want our church to go forward. If we want our, 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 our purpose, to, we want to go forward in our purpose, we're going to need to, to, to pray a deep prayer because there are issues and problems that are within inside of us that need to be challenged, that need to be assessed limits that we need to confront. And we haven't done that yet, but today, God is calling us to confront these things. If you could just bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray over you and with you. Oh, Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Lord God, we're coming here today because you have dropped a word for us to confront ourselves. <clears throat> it's been long an issue that a lot of the things that we're facing we try to blame others. It's everybody else's fault but mine. We try to play with our sin. You know, we go into situations that, that lust is there, and, and we try to play with it, thinking that, you know, I can get close enough to, to kind of tap it but not dabble in it. And to the point where the thing that was just a temptation starts to become the thing that we're living in. So God, right now, we're, we're asking you to reveal to us our sin nature, the things that we're struggling with most. We're asking you to give us the strength to not try to dabble in these things and instead not play the game of tag with our sin. God, we're asking you today to allow us to start with ourselves. We know that there are struggles and issues that a lot of people don't even want to self-evaluate because it hurts. But God, there's somebody that needs to know that you cannot run forever you can't run forever. You can't just think that these things are going to go away because sometimes you can't drop these things like you do the things in the new year. What we need to do is we need to challenge them head on. And today, God, you are calling us to confront them, to not be afraid, but to come with a boldness that you have given us to confront the very fears that have been challenging us, have been giving us issues for so many years. Today, you are calling us to confront those issues. God, there's a person who doesn't even know you today. And their issue is doubt. They don't believe you're real. They don't know you. You haven't shown themselves to themse you to themselves. But that's an issue where they're struggling with doubt. I beg and ask you to allow them to search the word to confront their doubt. You have nothing to hide. And I know that you will show a way where they can check themselves and confront the issues that they're most afraid about. There are people that are struggling with pornography, fornication, anger, rage, sadness, depression. Whatever form it is, God, we're asking that you allow them to confront it. Not just watch it and, and let it watch them back. Not allow it to just lure in the corner and just lurk and wait until it catches them and they become it. But we're asking you today to allow everybody to be challenged to confront it head on. I know and believe that you're a God of change. And we're asking you that this word to God, this word today, God, is a word that will change many. That it will alter the way that we operate in ministry, in church, in everything, even in our households, even at work. So the areas that we usually blame other people, we are held self-accountable. 
and in that way, showing your light through our actions. We love you, God, and we thank you for this word. Even though, Lord God, it came in a form of rebuke, we're thanking you for it because, Lord, it will allow us to change. And we know that without you and without change, we'll never reach the mark that you've called us to, whether it be in purpose, whether it be just in walking. So we thank you for this word today. We beg and ask you that the, the, the people that hear it, it falls on good ground, and they may be, oper- be able to operate and grow in it. We thank you again for this word, and we beg and ask you that anybody that heard it may be blessed. We're praying again for our church and those who are listening again. We thank you, we love you, and we appreciate you in Jesus' name. Thank you today for listening to this word. Uh, we hope you're encouraged. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you are blessed. And number one, I hope that the things that you are most afraid of, the things that are the most concerned you, that instead of running from it for so long, that you challenge yourself today and take this challenge that was issued in this word and confront them head on. We thank you for listening to the sermon. We hope that you are blessed and thank you.